Scary and Brody bonus episode. I said Brody and Scary already. They couldn't hear you. I had your mic off. Oh, I hate you. Start up, start up. Start up, Brooklyn boys. Brody and Scary. Start up, Brooklyn boys. Start up, start up, start up. They making noise. Start up. Start up, start up, start up, start up, start up. Bonus. Okay, we have a problem. What's that? I, we're about to explain we have a bonus episode. I'm very excited that we're going to run down the hall real quick. <laughs> this is great. But uh, we, we, You we, never get us twice in a week. That's right. Um, we interviewed, we did podcast, we did episode 12. Yesterday. Uh, yesterday. And we said, oh, we're going to, 13, we're going to update you guys. Yeah. But we, we just booked an interview, which I I'm, I cannot believe, I thought it was a phoner. <laughs> we got to run down the hall. Yeah. And, in, and in, even down the hall. Um, is this going to be episode 13 and we'll make... Next well, week, this 14? is a problem. And by the way, I've run into this problem before we make it on B? other podcasts. Can we make it 12B? What do you want to call it? No, let's call it 13. You want to call it 13? Yeah, and then we'll just... Uh, I just called it a bonus. Yeah, but... 13. No, it's, it, it's needs a 13. A name. it needs a number. 13, yeah. Son of a bitch. And we don't want to do A's and B's. No, just we call it 13. What and if we'll we call it 12 and a half? No. No, then it throws uh, everything out. No, make it... Uh, well, 13? Make it 13. We'll Episode? just come back on 14 next week and say it should have been 13, it's 14. So this is number 13. Yeah, unless you label it 14, but post well, it first. I'm, it's being labeled. People are seeing the title go across the screen right 13. now. It's Make it 13. Th- it says 13. Yeah, they it's already know late. the answer. If <laughs> you're hearing right. this, you, if you're you know hearing this, we've titled it after and we by the recorded way, this. It's not if you're hearing this, you're hearing this. Oh, that's right. You're hearing this. <laughs> right. It's 13. And you're looking at your screen, you're like, well, like I wonder what these they're going to settle on. Are arguing. Yeah, I wonder what they're going to decide on. Oh, my wonder. It already says that's 13. like giving away the freaking punchline before the. All right, so we're going down the hall to interview a radio legend. Okay. One of the reasons I'm in radio. Is because of the uh, the Howard Stern show. I li- grew up listening to it. Are you going to shit your pants? I'm going to shit my pants. <laughs> um, before I, long before I worked for Elvis, uh, ten years, fifteen years before I worked for Elvis, uh, I listened to Howard Stern show yes. before there was an Elvis Duran morning yeah. show. And the guy who wrote the jokes, wrote them on a piece of paper, handed them to Howard. Yeah. Wrote a lot of the comedy and the song parodies. Basically, who does what I do now? Uh, he's down the hall, and we have an interview with him. The entire interview. Is going to be with Jackie the Joke Man. We have like Martin. six minutes, but we should get down there and get ready and get in the studio. Absolutely. So we're going to go down the hall, and, and in a minute you're going to hear it. So yeah, we're going to. In fact, we're going to stop this recording, and then we're going to be appearing in another studio with totally different microphone and acoustics. Yeah. So <laughs> totally ready. different sound. But thanks for listening to this bonus episode. Uh, enjoy Jackie the Joke Man, whether you liked Howard or not. Uh, uh, I'm excited to meet him, and hopefully, right. it, it just he's fun. He's a fun guy. He's a comedian now. Exactly. He's not on the show anymore. He's got a lot. He's got a book coming out. Yeah, uh, called uh, Bow to Stern, which uh, let's ask him about that, too, what that means. Okay. All right. Let's do that. All right. Well, uh, this is David Brody, and that's Scary Jones. How's it going? We are Scary. here. Yeah. Hey, what's up? We are here with a true radio legend, <laughs> uh, Jackie the Joke Man Martling. How yeah. are you, sir? I'd be fine, except every time I hear legend, it translates in my mind to old. <laughs> well, but aside from that, I will take it as a compliment. And thank you very much for the airtime or whatever we're doing. All right, let me let me give you a little bit of, a little bit of background about me first. Here's yeah. what I why do. Why is he pretending I care about that? No, I'll tell you why. That, that's a great way to kick off. I'll an tell you by why. The way, hey, let me tell you about me. <laughs> um, I do want to hear for though. the past twenty years. Yeah, I have stood by next to the host of a nationally syndicated radio show, and I write jokes for him. And I write song parodies and sketch commercials and, and spoofs and things of that nature, jingles. For the last 20 years. The last 20 years. Right. In 1983, when I started college, I listened to WNBC radio and listened to the Howard Stern show every day. Um, and I remember the commercial with Howard Stern, Soupy Sales, and Don Imus. Right. And all the stuff that was in private parts, I heard live. I heard when, 
when Gary first uh, said that he had a Baba Booey original piece of artwork. Uh, I know all of it. And I do for a living what you did for the Howard Stern show. Exactly, though. And, and, precisely. And, and so when people say to me, what exactly do you do for, for the show? Because I listen to Howard, and I say, because people love to say that. Uh, I say, well, I'm basically Jackie the Joke Man on my show. And then they know what I do. That, you know, I love that. Flying gag writer. Yeah. And so um, I'm fascinated because what I do is I write on paper. But I, I've heard rumor that you had the, one of those projectors overhead that shot the jokes up on the wall. How did you get the jokes to Howard? The great thing about my book is all the questions are answered. <sighs> Why I left, how much money, okay. what happened with Jessica Hahn, et cetera, including how that worked. Okay. I sent my albums to him in 1982. He called in 1983 and said, we listened to your albums. Why don't you come in and help judge a, a talent contest over the phone? I went in, hung out with Howard, Robin, and Fred, and we laughed for four hours. And they said, you're a pisser. Come back next week. I came back next week for three years for free. And slowly but surely, I would like, you know, we made Mrs. Flemstein who answered the dirty jokes. And uh, I'd give them some rank outs. And sometimes I'd give them an idea. It was so gradual, so organic, I cannot even recount it. I just know at some point I said, to hell with this, and got an actual stack of white paper Jackie. and a Sharpie. Jackie, <laughs> hold on a second. Wow. Okay, as an observer I, to this, hold on. Am no. I being too long-winded? No, no, fantastic. no, 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 no. He's Look, laughing. Everything you're saying is exactly how life at the radio station unfolded for David Brody. I came in to write some jokes and song parodies. For free. For free for a year and a half. They gave me a stack of white, white paper. paper. Oh, I can't believe so, you're saying these things. Anyway, well, yeah. at the time, yeah. but nobody handed me any paper. <laughs> I just went on my own and it was kind of ballsy because, I mean, the very beginning when I handed him ideas, he looked at me like I was cross-eyed. And then when I was home during the week, all of a sudden I'd hear one of my ideas pop up on the radio. And the next time I came in, he kind of like, sheepishly say what you know nice. what else you got <clears throat> and then it somehow it it just worked he got fired and then rehired and i was there one day a week and it just graduated to where i was actually writing uh on a piece of paper and he he had an easel you know not any, you know how you have a loose leaf notebook sure. he had an open loose leaf notebook on the left on the podium and an open loose leaf notebook on the right okay with a hole in the robin in the robin oh, there's a hole in robin <laughs> there's, there's a couple with a hole between so he could see robin and i would literally write what i was writing and flip it over and put it on the side of the loose leaf. Okay. But he's looking at Robin, and he could see what I wrote, and he was so brilliant that he could just work in whatever I said, and he was, it was seamless from the beginning. That's why, for the most part, people had no idea what I was doing. Right. Because it, it, it was seamless. You know, he would take what I wrote and either work it in, he might change it around and make it about Fred, make it about me. It was brilliant. And then when we were going to mornings, he called me up, and this was our entire business conversation for 15 years. He said, I want you to come in two days a week and do your thing with the notes. That was my job description. I came in and did, <laughs> did my your thing, thing with, with the, the notes. notes. I went from two to three to four to five days because he was funnier when I was there. Sure. And so I was literally writing him and flipping him over for the longest time, right through uh, when we were at 600 Madison. Until I think it was 1992, whatever year it was that the E-Show came, which was my idea, which is also in the book. And when the E-Show came, we had a lipstick camera looking down at a bin. So I'd write what I wrote. It wasn't computer or typing. It was, 
you know, it was Polish computer. You know, I, I wrote the note right. and put it under the thing, and it came up on a television <sighs> monitor where Howard could see it. And then when we went to the right. bigger studio, there was a, a monitor on either side. Here's an interesting... By, by the way, that, that apparatus uh, is something that Brody recognized and remembered seeing, and it was has been trying to get for our show for yeah, the past 15 it's brilliant. years. Absolutely brilliant. Said, I need that thing that well, Jeff, Jeff Jackie had. You know, I came up... I, I said, why... We were going to Channel 9, and we were breaking our balls, all right? So we're working five days a week, five hours, starting at 6 in the morning. We're killing ourselves, and we got a TV show in Secaucus. And after the first year, we would, you know, we didn't even know if we wanted to be renewed because we were so fried. I mean, the radio show's enough, let right. alone, a, you know, Monday you right. got a blank piece of paper, and Friday you needed a one-hour television Yeah, we television could never imagine show. doing a crazy radio show like you did and then doing a television show on top of it, so, which so was I insane, said, the non-show. Why, why are we going to Secaucus? We got all the show we need right here. Howard, Robin, me, Gary, Fred. This is a, a whole show right here, and they made fun of me. And then, of course, one day Howard came up with this great idea idea of videotaping the radio <laughs> show but the whole thing is they made fun of me but i didn't think we would ever have a radio show in that studio because there was no way to have a camera that wouldn't catch me flipping the notes right. over but sure than you know sure than hell they got the lipstick camera and now here's an interesting one we'd have all these guests on and every time howard had a guest on he would always put on dark glasses he'd have on his shades which absolutely fit his persona. You know, you're you're uh, well, he's a rock star. You know, you you're Jessica Hahn and you come in to sit there and he's got on his his but the the computer monitor is a little bit to the left. So he's talking to you, but he's wearing oh, sunglasses. He's you have no idea. Yeah, yeah. You that can't he's, see it. That he's reading off the monitor. So all these pe- celebrities he's talking to have no idea. That he's reading what I'm writing, which and which is brilliant. Now, you know? at, at some point, did Howard and if, if I miss this, I apologize. Did he ever tell the audience that he was that you were doing that? No, you know, never. It it kind of eked out. It was so funny because um, people have talked about it, and you should see the people attacking me on the web. You know, everybody knows you were writing for him. What kind of crap? What are you talking about? But in the first couple of years, nobody had any idea. Right. For years, they had no idea. I talked to people today that have no idea because who cares? You see Johnny Carson doing jokes. You don't care if he's reading them or right. if it's a monitor or who's right. You, you want to laugh at what he's saying. You want to be entertained. You don't sure. care. But I was doing that for so long, and, it, and there's some funny, funny stories in the book about when I thought it was going to eke out because by hook or by crook, this happened. And uh, it wasn't a secret per se, but in the beginning, nobody knew anything. You know, in the very beginning, people came up to me and said, hey, I heard Robin's black. Is it true, Robin? You know, yeah. I mean, in the beginning, nobody knew anything. So it took a long time, and then eventually people started to know. And then, you know, But we go on, on these radio uh, junkets, you know, and we'd be in Los Angeles or we'd be in, you know, Las Vegas, and I'd be sitting next to Howard and I'd be writing notes and putting them in front of him, and the radio writers would be like, Jesus Christ! Yeah. We sat there and watched Jackie Martling and Howard joke after joke. Who knew that was going on, you know? So yeah. it, it was a it was a fun little inside thing, you now, know? Now, do you get frustrated or did you get frustrated? Because I get frustrated sometimes when you write a great joke, it's you nailed it, and you hand it to the host and they don't do it. I, I get I, it's hard to keep like because you're being filmed. You're on the radio. If I see he doesn't do the joke, I'll go. Oh damn it! It's such a good joke. You know? Do you get frustrated? Or did you back then? Uh, not really, because it was we were on the fly. 
and you're just moving so fast that it was so interesting. Sometimes if I wrote something funny enough, he would literally work the conversation back around so he could come back down the road and and hit the joke, which was amazing. There were a certain amount of times where I wrote something, and Fred, me being there, made I was a conduit, so also Fred could write stuff and pass it to me. So the reason the show was so ridiculously funny is we not only had three really funny guys writing, coming out of Howard, but Mm -hmm. three distinct senses of humor. Howard's a big, broad you know, sees the big picture, and I'm a punchline guy, and Fred is from outer space. So yeah. there's three completely different senses of humor. But there's a certain amount of times where I wrote something, and as I put it in the bin, Fred handed me verbatim the same thing, which is just, you know, wow. we were really sharing a brain. And, you know, I and I think we're both brilliant, so it was really fun. Like, I'd, like, I'd, go, I'd point and say, it's in there already, and he, right. like, couldn't believe did, it. Did you ever write a joke about a coworker, like a joke about Robin that was really cutting? Howard delivers it. She got mad at you for it, and you're like, wait a minute, he no, said it. No, no, nobody ever got mad. But that was, yeah, that was always the whole point of the show. Like, Howard would be like, uh, don't look at me, he wrote it. And right. I'd say, don't look at me, he said it, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, no, no, it, it, was, it was equally bandied about. Um, it, it was so it was so crazy interesting. That, like if I wrote something horrible about Robin, but he'd change it to make it about Fred, or he said something about Fred. And he, one one real misnomer is um, it, it, there were things that he that he passed by that that breaks your heart, but you couldn't you couldn't dwell on it. Not, there were a couple of things I wrote for him that was so funny that uh, I said, you know what, I'll just take that home and it was a very very filthy line that right. that i took and put in my act um yeah it's it's, it's but it didn't go to waste it, it, the it issue is it didn't go to waste it's too over the top so, By the way, if, you're, if you're just tuning in we're talking to jackie martling uh he has a new book out the joke man bow to stern yeah and you can order it jackie the joke com. the url uh comes uh it brings up the amazon page it's available on kindle on audiobook on Audible with me and Artie Lang doing the Artie Lang actually uh did the recording of his forward and it's also in hardcover and I'm very excited. But people used to say <clears throat> we could always tell you when tell when you wrote a joke because how hard you laughed. And I said that's not totally true. Because Robin laughed the same like if Howard said, Oh look, there's a car driving down the road. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, look at this. Two two Jews walking a bar. <laughs> Me, my laugh was totally in conjunction with how funny something was. I like to think that a lot of stuff I wrote was really funny. Right. So I'd put up a joke and he'd say it and I'd roar. <clears throat> but if Fred wrote something funny, I would roar. Still if roar. Howard said, there was so many times I went home and my wife, Nancy, would say, oh, you know, the funniest thing you wrote today was blah, blah, blah. And I go, no, Howard said that on his own. Yeah, but you screamed laughing because it was funny. I wasn't there to promote myself. I right. was there to promote the show. If sure. Fred wrote something that was really funny, I would laugh really, really hard. Absolutely. You have to be a very uh, unselfish person to write jokes for others and not tell them yourself. I I absolutely I created that job. I mean, I know you're doing it, but I'm, oh, I'm, thank you. It was <laughs> it was it didn't exist in the old days when the radio stars had writers. They would give them stuff. During commercial, right? You know, and they come back to it. Doing it on the fly was, and you couldn't do it with anybody. I don't know how. I'm sure Elvis is great too, but the the concept of doing it wouldn't have worked unless the the person is that brilliant that they can be carrying a conversation and look. 
You know, I always tell people it's like Howard's driving the car and I was reading the map. You know, if you're driving the car, no matter how good a driver you are, you can't look at the road map. So sure. I could just sit there and, and I was like a I was like the the marksman that could just, you know, pick people off right. while he was driving. So it was it just it just works so big time. And there's some great stories in the book, you know. Well, I'm excited to read the book when it comes out. I, obviously, I have to know everything because I want to know everything. The, the title of the book is Bow to Stern. So my question is, and I know it's open to interpretation. Eight inches. Eight inches. Oh, interesting. You maybe, not him. Too wide for a lot of girls. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> well, Scary's flexible. Um, now, the term Bow to Stern, if Howard said that title, I know he would mean it in I'm the King of All Media, Bow to Me. Do you mean it as in you had to bow to him? Or is it sarcastic that you had to bow to Stern is front to back. Okay. You know, beginning to end. But anybody that reads that book. Very clever bow, title. Bow to, yeah. Thank you. Bow to Stern. I didn't. Okay. And, and, you know, to a certain degree, I did. I totally respect the guy and love the guy. But is that why you're but not he there was because a peer. you didn't bow to Stern? You know what's crazy? I, I You know, we've done a lot of these interviews today, so I don't remember what I said to who, but there's a. There's so many people that are like, you're so crazy to leave because they would have sat there for free. They'd give anything to be in that room. I said, that's not how it works. Right. You know, I, I said that I, I, you know, 21 years ago. I said, oh, my God, I'll do it for free. And I did it for a year. But I wouldn't do it for free now. Yeah, you know, like like you're so lucky to be there. And I was making a lot of money. When you see how much money, you, I mean, even as radio guys, you're going to go, that idiot. But we were printing money. Right. I was fried. You know, I, I give all the parameters and people can make their own decisions but and all the, this is in the book right the, the, every, the time when you left how i the got transition. there every single penny of of the negotiation what i was making what oh, i was all making, in there it's all in there because i remember following along and i know that there was a feeling that well if you asked for something if it was reasonable you'd think howard would step up and say this man needs to get this money make it happen now people will read this and some people think it was unreasonable some people think it was reasonable but the point is we were making so that they were printing money. Yeah, and, if and it was a different radio, time in radio for people that are just listening to this. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> these aren't the good old days anymore. That's no, for sure. It was fifty-five <laughs> stations, and we were, you know, number nice, one number in one. so many of them, and we really were kicking ass. And I had, depending on who you talk to, a lot to do. With the rise, you know, a oh, lot to do with his sense of humor, you know, and people say, well, if you were such a big deal, why doesn't he need you now? I'm like, you know, you teach a man to fish. He keeps fishing after you die. He, he was always funny and right. always brilliant. I just I just helped at a time when it really made sense. Listen, to have. I've listened to the show. I listened to his replays because obviously we're on the air when he's on the air. There's a difference in the show. And I'm not saying that because you're here. I, I'm not a fan of people who have stepped in since you're gone. Um, although they were talented on their own, they were stand up comics. Um, I didn't think they fit. I thought they tried to take the spotlight sometimes and make it about them. And I think what made you great on that show is you did laugh at Fred's jokes. You lived to make him funny, and you laughed and reveled in the success of the show, but you didn't make it about you. I, I, I really was a firm believer in all for one, one, well, one for all, and I was in my seat, and when I left, it was dollars and cents. It wasn't, I want more billing, I want this to be special, I want Thursday to be Jackie Day. It was just like... Push a few more shekels over here. We're kicking ass. Let me what ask you this. Right. If, he, if he said tomorrow, and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, hey, come on, Jackie, let's do a deal. Is let's... he on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what would you say? What, I mean, would you, would you have that conversation at this stage of your life? Of course. You know, I, it was so much fun. You know, I'll tell you what's really funny. Uh, I, I was really in a 
a tough place. You know, they say if the same thing happens 99 times, you're crazy if you think it's going to change the 100th time. After 15 years, I couldn't make myself take a nap. I couldn't. And me and my wife, we wouldn't record Law and Order and watch it the next night at 7 o'clock. We'd watch Law and Order at 10 o'clock. And then they'd tease something on the news. And every, I'd be up, I don't think I went to bed before 9 o'clock twice in 15 years. Always 11, 11.30. Sure. By Wednesday, I was downright ornery, and I was crazy. You know, you go in and sit in the show, have a sip of coffee, and we're off to the races for five hours. I was on fire. Then I drive home, and by the time I got to Bayville, I'm ready to bite somebody's head off. So I was so miserable. I had a lot of money. I was kicking ass. I was making hay while the sun shines because they were paying me so much money to do stand-up. And I was really, you know, I'm headlining in Chicago sure. and Las Vegas. Absolutely. I'm, I'm on fire. But... I am so fried and so frazzled, but all I would have had to do literally is come home, shut myself off, and take a two-hour or three-hour nap in the afternoon, and I would have been good to go. I could not make myself do that. And as stupid as it sounds, you know... Was your mind racing? Were you just restless? It just, I just wouldn't do it. I, I refused to, to kowtow and give up my life for the silly show, which was ridiculous because it was so much fun and everything connected. But the irony of the whole thing is <laughs> I tell everybody I'm 70. I'm really 69, but when you say you're 69, everybody's head goes, and I got to explain I'm not making a dick joke. I really am 69, so I just say I'm 70. I'm 70 years old. All I want to do is take a nap. When I wake up in the morning, I swear to God, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing going through my mind is, when am I going to get to lie down again? If you told me, all right, here's the deal. We're going to pay you a million dollars a year, but the caveat is you have to take a nap every day. I would say, pull down your pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is so funny. Now all I want to do is take a nap, and if I could have taken a nap in 2001, I would still be there. But I, I knew I wouldn't. Right. You've I, done. By the way, you've done all this. You've, you, 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 now you have the book here, but you know, you, 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 you toured, you've done a million things. Well, you've done, what do you do with your free time? What, what, is, what does Jackie do when Jackie is in detox mode? Now, you know what? I, my whole life is detox mode. I wake up in the morning and I, I live on the water. I, I still swim. It's October. I still swim in Long Island wow. Sound. You know, I go to lunch with my pals. I do my dial a joke. I do my jokes for Twitter. I talk on the phone to this guy, this club, that club, and, and just, you know, then I go out to a screening and I just, you know, I go to Cannes, I go to Toronto, I go to Sundance and those places. I'm still trying to finagle my way into the film business, you know, which is just such a hoot. I'm actually in a, in a sitcom pilot now that's going to get picked up. At the age of 70, I'm finally going to get rich just in time to die. Nice. But it's called Shoot Me Nicely, and actually the trailer is at shootmenicely.com. And Linda Hamilton is in our sitcom. Oh, wow. Oh. Last week, they announced that Linda Hamilton and James Cameron Schwarzenegger are making a sequel to Terminator. So we're made because she loves our show. She loves doing comedy. That's great. But what are the, that never happened. back in the headlines and Yo, she has a sitcom. That, that what world, what world is this? Yeah, what world is that? <laughs> 70 years I'm waiting for an accident like that. <laughs> but it's, it's great fun. And I still, you know, people say, do you still enjoy doing your act? And I know I'm crazy. Because I'll go to Vegas and I, I'll be in a show with five other comics to 2,000 people and kill and have a great time. And then I come home and three days later I'm in Jersey for 120 people. 
and I and I love that too. And I I don't know whether I'm hypnotized. No, I the, love telling my stupid the, jokes. There's an intimacy to a small club, and the bottom line is, as a comic, you you know this. There's a power and a feeling and an energy for making people laugh. It just it, you, it's a gift that you have. I do it, you know, if I'm buying a sandwich in the deli or if yeah. I'm in the, with a cab driver, you know, or a couple of girls in a bar, you know. I I live to tell my stupid jokes and make people laugh, and I just and, I and really do love it. People don't understand that. I, I tell a story. Uh, when I was in school, I was the same way I am now. And the teachers would say, oh, you're immature. You're not responsible. You don't know when to be quiet. Your mouth's going to get you in trouble. Now, thanks to this career I have, thank you, uh, you get to be funny. You get to, I was at a hospital yesterday, made the nurse laugh, made the doctor laugh, the patient next door was laughing. And it makes you laugh. Yes. I tell people, I was 15 years on the Stern Show, I was the kid in the back of the class passing notes. The only difference being I was doing it with the teacher's full encouragement. <laughs> I mean, you can't yeah. beat that. Hey, yeah. what, do you, what do you feel about... Stand-up comics today and sensitivity I of the public. I don't this, watch. That's two questions. I don't know. I don't care. I still do my act. It's politically as incorrect as it can be, Good. and I just don't care. Good. You know, I've I've never gone overboard bad, but you know, a little ethnic and a little bit uh, religious and everything, and and duty and poop and right. sex and, and and you don't believe in the term too soon, do you? Because I don't believe in that term. You know. Who knows? You know, it's it's people are all crazy. You know, Joan Rivers was just brilliant. The day after 9-11, the day after 9-11, she called a girlfriend and said, you want to go to lunch at Windows on the Ground? <laughs> I mean, what kind of mind? Yeah. But, you know, you're not going to it's not going to go back up if you don't talk about it. You know, it's like it's all you got to find humor and tragedy. That's. That's how people get through but it. it. And it's also, it's all point of view. And it's, you know, Mel, Mel Brooks's definition of comedy and tragedy. The razor's edge, but what's his? No, no. The, the comedy and tragedy is, uh, tragedy is when I stub my toe and comedy is when you fall off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, that's right. It's all perspective. Right. And that's all it is. One other know. thing, you know, so, so uh, late night TV show host uh, James Corden was on stage and he did a couple of Jokes in his monologue uh, at an Amfar event, right? About oh, Harvey about, Weinstein. About, did a couple of Howard, Howie Wein, uh, Howard Weinstein jokes. Harvey. Harvey Weinstein. I'm like, good, good God. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> I'm fried. Anyway, he did a couple of jokes, and the audience groaned, and then Twitter and social media had a huge backlash against him. And then he, and he came on the next day and apologized. What are your thoughts on stuff like that? And the way, you know, the way things are going. Right? And they were against him. They were Dad, embarrassing the guy. Jerk and, and <laughs> Weinstein, too. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's great. You know, who, ca right. who cares? Weinstein, you know, he's he, he's been a jerk forever. I knew people that knew him from way, 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 way back. And, you know. No, that you don't take the gloves off when it comes to him. You know, if it's insensitive to the women, but it isn't. You know, the the guy's a jerk, and it's the elephant in the room. Not to make a bad joke, right? You know, everybody but, knew, everybody the, uh, gossiped and about he, it. Corden was shaming him, and people failed to see that on social media. You know, they, pe people can all. Yeah. You know what? You know what? Uh, what's his name? Uh, I I can't think of that guy's name. Not Dayton Allen whatever his name was, had the greatest opinion. He said, the people can't take a joke. We should take all the people that can't take a joke and put them in a canyon so the rest of us can stand on the edge, on the rim of the canyon, and piss on them. You know, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, I to like hell that. with him. You I know, like that. H. Allen Smith. That's who okay. it was. It's just brilliant. In the in the 15 years of you being on the Stern Show, there was craziness in the studio, naked women. I'm sure a lot of that's in the book. What's the one thing that stood out to you in putting the book together that you said? in your mind, was the craziest thing that you remember experiencing and thinking, I can't believe I'm getting paid to be in this situation. I have to put it in the book. Is there one thing that stands out among all the other craziness? No, there were so many. But when we were on stage at the Magic Johnson show and me and Fred and Howard and Scott were playing Wipeout and then stopping, and instead of the drum solo, there was a guy and a girl farting. I was like, we're on national TV. We're getting paid a lot of money to play a song that I played in seventh grade, and these people are farting on national TV. This is by far... You know what happened? Magic Johnson, Howard made such fun of Magic Johnson because his monologues were so atrocious that Howard played the whole thing and make fun of him. And Magic Johnson called up and said, I want you to come on my show. And Howard said, listen, Magic Johnson wants me on the show. I can't go on that show, so give me something to tell him that we'll do. That he won't do. So me and Fred came up with us. Oh, tell him, you know, yeah. we'll we'll play. Well, our band was called the Losers because Howard had a whole thing about everybody wants to have a band. You know, this football star and and this rock. I mean, right. this movie star. They all want to have a band. You know, just like every band, the the lead singer wants to be the guitar player and the drummer wants to be a vegetarian. You know, everybody can go to hell. And so <laughs> Fred and me came up with the idea. Well, we'll play Wipeout and have people fart at the break. And Howard called them up and they said, fine. <laughs> and they booked us. And they're like, well, it was supposed to be a joke. We didn't right. think they'd ever say yeah. No, right. they went for it. And they flew us out first class. And we went out and had a week in Los Angeles. It was the greatest time. And, that, you know, that was one of those crazy times. But there was so many times. You know, you're sitting there. With, you know, a girl had, you know, and she was auditioning for the pay-per-view. And she had her, her clitoris pierced. That was her audition for the show. And I'm like, what is this that we're doing? You know, one of the greatest, greatest, greatest was we did the Butt Bongo Fiesta. And we did Tarzan and the Land of the Big Boobed Women. And we brought an elephant. The same guy that brought us monkeys. And, you know, mm -hmm. we did a Channel 9 show where we had the nativity scene. The nativity scene had goats and sheep. And an organ grinder. I mean, you can't make that crap. It was so beautiful. So we bring an elephant. And the elephant, I'm going to start gagging. The elephant came up in the freight elevator and walked out. And I'm telling you, you've never seen anything like it. This elephant took a three-foot-tall dump. It was, and imagine the heat of a TV studio. <laughs> and then he he let go and... His urine was literally a fire hose onto the onto the you know the the, the tile floor <laughs> splattering, and we're all laughing and gagging, and and one of the techies had to come over with a snow shovel and put the dung in, and it's the old joke, like you know <laughs> what and quit show business, yeah, <laughs> right, but it was literally shot. <laughs> and the great thing is at the end of the Butt Bongo Fiesta videotape, as the credits are rolling, they have the outtakes. Yeah, outtakes are there. Yeah. Up the, up the, yeah. uh, and then, you know, I'm sitting there going, this is... Yeah. This is the life we have chosen. I remember when Bud Bongo Fiesta came out and everybody was passing that tape around school. And the New Year's Eve party tapes. 
I've seen a couple of those. Crazy. Just crazy. You you guys did everything above and beyond radio. It wasn't just a show. It was a TV show. It was a movie. It was books. I mean, your show was the king of all media. Your show did everything. It was was one of the Channel 9 shows still. is is insanity. Crazy, crazy, crazy fun. And I loved, I really did love every second of it. And I did not leave under any kind of animosity or I want more of this. All I wanted was more money because I thought I deserved it. And when people read it, they're going to, you know, people are like, oh, he walked away from $3 million. You know, nobody has any idea. Right. Yeah. So it's finally. But it's all in there. Yeah. I can't wait to read this book. Well, and and the journey that got me to Stern, which is very interesting. And the, the whole organic thing of writing those notes, it's it's so weird because there's like the missing link. I mean, at some point it was like, I just, I got a little bit, the more I put them up there and the more I used them, the more secure I felt about just doing it, you know, and yeah. it was it was inherently, it just inherently fit. It just worked, you know. It's well, it's so funny. I'm telling you, I don't know how your show is. I'm sure it's the same. It, the day I walked in, it it's was an ensemble me- cast. Uh, yeah, I walked in, it was Howard, Robin, and Fred, and we clicked. And at the time, I didn't know anything about radio or anything about that, so I didn't know any better. And it was so great. But to this day, if I call in, and they take a phone call, I'm telling you, we snap. Into our roles. Of course. You know, it's me, Howard, Fred, and Robin. And it's, you know, if I walk into that room, whether they like it or not, it's instant. You know, they they had the, uh, when they were leaving uh, Terrestrial Radio, the last week they had a bunch of people on. Now, the very last day they had a rally. So I wasn't there. But the last two words Howard said on Terrestrial Radio were F. Jackie. Did you know yes, that? Yes, I, I remember which the Which was pretty nice. So the day before their last show, I, I came on. And I was a little weird about going on. You know, it had been five years, and I don't know how much they're going to attack me and be crazy and be rude and mean. And did I really think that? I don't know what I really thought. But I walked in, and from the second I walked in, you know, it's me and Howard and Fred and Rob, and it was just so, it was just delightful. And I'm sitting there. And Gary came in and sat down. And I'm telling you, this was so, I wonder if it's on video. It was so magical because I looked at Gary and then I turned to Howard and he saw the smile on my face and he smiled and he said, you like that, don't you? I said, Howard, there will never be a day that I look at that mouth and I'm not completely entertained. <laughs> we just laughed for five minutes because that that was the yeah, whole show. And sure. Gary's, you know, sitting there shaking his head. And the more he shook his head, the harder we laughed, you know. Well, you guys made history. Yeah. You made um, a job for me. You made a job for a lot of people in radio who tried to emulate for 30 years now, 40 years. Uh, what you guys did, what you guys and what you Figured out on your own, not being a radio guy. Oh, a debt of gratitude. Yeah, we, we owe a lot to you. So. I, I can't tell you how flattering this is. I've never heard that from anyone or, you know, or, I sit or with my stack ever... of white paper and I write jokes. And he I really throw, does, though. I throw them in front of him and he works them. Everything you're describing. When you, when you just went through that earlier in this interview, I'm like, oh, my God, he's describing what Brody does for Elvis every day. That's and, that's so fun. And, 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 so and fun. honestly, the thing about The Howard Show is, uh, and this is even when you were on it, I was I was we overlapped when you were on the show and I was on the show. People, if you if you work for Chrysler, and I and, you, and I say, oh, what do you do for a living? I work for Chrysler. They don't say, oh, I drive a Cadillac. But if I say I work for a radio show, they go, ah, I listen to Howard. You don't even have to ask them, right? And so they go, I don't listen to your show. I listen to Howard. What do you do? 
legitimately, as I told you before, I go, well, I'm sort of Jackie the Joke Man. Oh, really? You write jokes? You're funny? I go, yep. That's all I had to say. And then they want to hear the whole thing? I should put on my business card, Elvis is Jackie. And I'm sort of a Gary and Fred Yeah, he's, yeah. he has bad breath. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. So, first of all, you got to get Weinstein's name right. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I, I, I go home and practice. Yeah. Momentary lapse. I have every note I ever wrote for him. Every note I ever wrote that Howard said is in my mother's attic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to email you. you got to give me your card. I'm going to email you a picture. Or it could be another book. Stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks. If if you took, if you said, all right, I have a tape of the Howard Stern show from April 15th, 1993, I could get that stack and you could listen to it and follow Joe, you could follow, follow the bouncing ball. You know, when he said something hysterical and I'm laughing, it, and there it is. If you put a book out where every page was a joke, and, and then put a description of the setup or let it up to imagination, it would be fantastic. None none of them are funny because they're all in context. It's all right. a, a phrase, a word, a, a half a sentence. Right. It, it was all just right. punch-ups of what was going on. If you listen to the raw audio and follow along, well, you can. On our podcast, listen. I do a segment called Unused Jokes, and I and I, just, I read the stack that we didn't get to, and I'll he just read, go... He reads the punchlines. Uh, so that's why she's a potato face. And I'll go to the next one, i go, <laughs> uh, 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 Dickum and Dickum of Beverly Hills, and, and whatever, and I just read them, and, I, and it's the same thing. On their own, you don't know what they are. When so. the whole computer thing started to happen, I resisted, and I never did it, because I thought, how funny would it be for me to sit here with the computer that people can access and just listen to the show and write what I would have written if I was sitting there. But, you know, I, you know, I wasn't going to do that kind of crap, you know, but it would be, would be funny. Yeah. You know, you know, the road not taken, you know, that's, I, that's very funny that you're doing that. We should go to lunch and, and shoot the breeze. You got to tell Elvis Duran that yes, uh, he absolutely. owes me something. Yeah, really absolutely. Does. Well, listen, uh, <clears throat> the joke man bowed to Stern by Jackie Martling. Uh, tell us again where to get it and where yeah. it's available. Go to JackieTheJokeMan.com. The Amazon page pops up. It's in hardcover. It's in Kindle. And it's also uh, in Audible with Artie Lang reading his forward and me reading my whole book. If you want to find out where the book signings are, call 516-922-WINE. And I give all the uh, the uh, locations and times. And it's also on my website, uh, Jokeland.com slash book signings, book slash, what is it, book hyphen signings, whatever. But I'm doing Ridgewood, New Jersey on Monday. I'm doing book review in Huntington Tuesday, Upper East Side, Barnes & Noble on Thursday, the Vault at Filler Records on Saturday in Berlin, New Jersey, and then West Islip, Long Island, uh, the Jackson Restaurant. And the, the, the response is just phenomenal. I'm really loving it. And I, this this was the piece de resistance for the whole day. This really made my day. Thanks, right you guys. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks we, for making we, we booked the interview so we didn't have to wait online at the bookstore. So this was just easy for us. <laughs> I totally get that. So, Jackie, thank, thank you. you. This, Jackie, was, this was a pleasure and an honor. And you're a legend even if you don't think you are. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks. All right, we're back in our other studio. That was fantastic. That didn't sound edited. <laughs> no, but that interview with, with Jackie was amazing. No, th that was a nice piece, but no, but us running down the hall back in the studio again. Yeah, it sounded weird. It was well, you were running for a minute, and I was like, you don't need to run. It's pre-recorded. I know, pre-recorded. All right, so thank you for listening to the bonus episode of the Brooklyn Boys, Scary and Brody. That was uh, that's too late. You can't do <laughs> no, that. Not. We didn't end yet. So the bonus episode. The boys from. We gave them another one another this week. Another one, episode thirteen. We'll see you next Brooklyn week. Brooklyn.